0: Awesome, yeah. how are you? I'm great. Uh, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Firstly, thank you very much, uh, Frederick, uh, for giving me opportunity to interview you for my YouTube channel and podcast.
1: That's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.
0: So I've gone through your profile and I came to know uh, uh, you. Work, you're from Canada and uh, you work as a director of developer relationship.
1: Yep. Yeah, I work. Uh, so I live in Montreal in Canada. So uh, where it's uh, super cold right now, <laughs> we have like winter snow. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a director of developer relation at Mindy. Uh, I joined a little more than six months ago, uh, but really enjoying the role of the company and the people there.
0: So before talking about you, can you please uh, introduce yourself to my audience?
1: yeah so uh yeah but uh, sorry you asked about mindy like where work or yeah uh okay you're you're,
0: you're originally from canada or yes yes
1: yes i'm really originally from canada always live in montreal uh french is my first language uh and english is the is the second one i'm part of the east of canada quebec where uh, people usually speak french so
0: uh... Uh you are into technology from last uh, last uh so
1: so long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm old now. I'm I'm starting to, to be old. Uh I've been in tech for about 20 years. Uh, I started my career um the first 10 years I was a software developer, uh did a little bit of architecture, working a little bit with customers, but I would say uh about managing projects a little bit or or, or like being like kind of like tech's uh, tech lead on some technology, but I would say 90% 95% of my time were uh, as a software developer. So I was coding, creating application, and uh, at some point in my career, I realized that I was part of the. I don't know, 5% of developer or social extrovert and know how to talk to real human. So I move in uh, the developer relations side of things, which is still a technical role, but uh, it's also a lot of like a social role and really about creating relationship with people. So for the last 10 years, I've been having a role like technical evangelist, developer advocate, uh now, director of developer relation, which is basically part of what I was doing before, plus managing people and also thinking about like you know the big pictures and how we do developer relationship uh, at at Mindy.
0: Uh, So you started uh, in uh, one, two, three certifications.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was my first job as a developer. Uh, funny enough, when um, I was looking for an internship after I've done a course of, uh, it was about one year, it was uh, in Quebec, it's the equivalent of a college degree, but only uh, I only had courses about technology, like software programming technology, and it was about a year. But to be able to get my certificate, I needed to do an internship. And uh, they were one of the places where doing, uh, they were looking for a Java developer, and 20 years ago, Java was like the technology that I really loved. And I was loving uh, oriented object programming. And I was like, I really want to do that. But I was pretty sure that the company was offering kind of like, you know, uh, software developer certification. But actually, it was a company that was building a product for the welding industry. So I worked there for five years. Uh, That was pretty cool. I did some Java. I learned new technology. Uh, it was really great people I work with, but what was nice is that by being a software developer, I also learned about a different industry that I know nothing about. So I created uh, an online application to help uh, people design the specification. You know, when you weld something, uh, maybe not a table, maybe, maybe they don't go that crazy for small items, but like if you weld uh, another pass somewhere, you need to be sure that it's solid and you need to define which type of metal you're gonna use, how many time you're gonna weld uh, the different pieces so they stick together so they can take the pressure. So I, I designed, I created an application so it's easier for uh, welder uh, engineers or engineers working in the welding industry to, to have a notation and create that specification. But I also work on uh, a welder simulator, which was pretty cool. You know, you were like having a real welding gun but with like Google kind of like the equivalent of like like the, the Google um, like classes right now anywhere welding and uh yeah that was pretty cool that was a great uh, first experience as a developer
0: uh you like you said uh, you you worked as project lead and software developer and Java lead software developer
1: yeah, so uh what was great is that within that five years uh, because it was a small company and uh, we had really ambitious goals. It was uh, a great way for me to kind of like grow within my role. So, you know, I went from, uh, as I would assume, every younger people that start in tech, you know, you start in tech and and, and you know everything because like, hey, like I'm good, I know everything, which is always not the true, like you don't know everything. So I was, I had the opportunity to learn. But I had the opportunity to lead uh, the projects that I was talking about. So, uh, you know, the the welding simulator at some point I was leading the project. But also since we were doing a lot of Java, uh, we needed kind of like a, a tech lead when it comes to Java. So what was funny also is that we funny and, and good and not so good at the same time is that we didn't have a lot of like senior people. Uh, like the people that were more senior than me, they had like one year, one year and a half more experience, maybe two years of experience than me. And we, we went to the same school. So uh, I had to learn. I, I, I made a lot of mistakes and uh, I became the Java expert because I was the person doing Java. So that was also a great way for me to kind of like mentor the people but uh yeah i realized that my second job when i moved to a place where uh my uh, my manager had way more experience than me that i was doing a couple of things wrong when i started so um i'm not i'm not super proud of the code that i created at that time meaning like I, i'm proud of what i've done but i'm a little bit ashamed of like how i code it but it's it's, it's okay like i didn't have much experience this is how you learn yeah
0: Great, man. And uh, do you have any particular uh, incident or experience uh, while working uh, in that company? You worked for five years.
1: I worked there for five years. Uh, You know, I I learned some of the things uh, that the developers shouldn't do either by myself or by seeing the experience from from my colleague. Uh, You know, we were doing a lot of things in production directly, uh, which was a mistake, which like a lot of people don't do anymore because now we have like more streamlined processes with with like the coming of devops and things like that but uh you know i remember one time my, my my uh my bus at the time has a really important meeting with potential investor and potential customers and i decided to uh just update the sdk version of the application and so it was working on my computer but when my bus went to the customer it was not working at all and um, it was not super happy. And I learned, like, like maybe that was stupid from me, but at the time I was like, it's just an update, it's working on my computer. You know, I was junior, I was starting, and I learned that, yeah, no, like when you have something that work, uh, and especially before presentations, especially before something important, like don't, don't update things, even if like it should be fine, or it's working on my computer, you never know what's gonna happen. It's also why there is that saying in tech where like, do, do not deploy on Friday. Even if it's a small thing, because you're probably gonna have issues and you're gonna have to work during the weekend. Um, that 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 friend's gonna kill me if I tell that story. But I remember my friend he decided to uh, clean up some folder on the production server. And um, he did it was a Linux machine and he did uh, RM uh, dash uh, was it rm rf kind of like recursively and force, but when he went to copy the path. Of the folder he wanted to remove and the folder in the subfolder it just copied a slash so basically that comment was deleting everything on the server and the space the, in the space of like five seconds when he did like Control c to kind of like break the comment he wiped out like half of the server and this is where we realized that back backup strategy were not that good and that we should like do things on the dev server before doing anything in production but we're all junior people we're all learning but those are kind of like hard lessons to learn and and you don't do those mistakes after again
0: and uh you worked as a senior software developer in ibi solutions full-time for two years
1: yeah unfortunately that that company after two years did not work uh super well but I really had a great experience because first my my, my manager, my boss, the person who hired me, uh, it was the teacher I had when I was taking programming course and, and decided to start his company. Uh, he was doing things on his own. And after that, like uh, it was becoming too big for for himself only. So he decided to hire me and we hired our people. And. Uh, I thought it was going well. What was nice is that we were doing kind of like line of business application uh, for the construction industry. So, you know, uh, I I created like web application. Uh, I created mobile application in that time that was uh, Blackberry uh, and that was Windows Mobile, which was kind of like the precursor of uh, Windows OS, but it's not even comparable. Uh, So I worked on those projects. That was pretty cool. Uh, I had a great time also because I was kind of like leading those projects too. But at the same time, if you remember, I said that on my first job, we didn't really have senior people. Uh, so when I joined that company, I was doing things and my boss was like, hey, Fred, like maybe you shouldn't like code like that. Maybe you should think about that best practices. So that was only two years, two years and a half. But that was really um that was really, really good for me because it was a good mentor. I learned a lot, and I really became a better developer within those two years. So, as a developer,
0: so as a developer, uh, do you remember something that uh, went wrong and you fixed it?
1: Oh God, like so many things went wrong. Uh, <laughs> sorry, oh God. What, what example should I, I talk about? Uh, you know, I, my, it's, it's, it's coming back to the mistake of like not really having backup, but I was uh, developing that BlackBerry application. And uh, for whatever reason, I had like art disk issues and uh, I was not able to access like the code that I created. And because we didn't have backup in place, uh, I should have learned from my first job, but because we didn't have backup in place, I lost about a month of work. Uh, so first, that was really not good, like losing a month, it's not good for the business, uh, it's not good for the morale, and even if it was not my fault, it was still my fault, because I was not backupping my things, we didn't have any like backup process, and actually we were not even, at that time, I think we were not even using some kind of like file versioning, so it's why after we decided to start to use, uh, I think it was uh, CSV at that time, like really pre pre come pre-pre-get, or, or even pre-SVN, and uh no i think maybe it was event. it doesn't matter but we started to use that so I was committing more frequently but also it's really like on the creative side it's really not fun for a developer to have to create again what he already created especially in that situation so it may be fun if you need to refactor because like you learn more because you became better because like you have some legacy code so it's a way for you to improve what you've done but it's based on the code you the code you already have for me i had to recreate everything because i, I lost the code um the other thing is that yeah that, that thing was was uh, was good too like i don't think i was super good at testing uh and and we didn't really at that time like you know uh tdd development and and like like testing was more like human testing Uh, we had some qa but we didn't have like a lot of like automated ways of testing it came a little bit later uh in the tech industry actually maybe it was there we were not following the best practices but um it was always the case where uh, i had a software that was synchronizing things between uh, two systems for customers, but it was doing this at like 3 a.m. because they were starting their day at like 4 a.m. to prepare things for the worker that were starting at 8 a.m. And so many times I I did just a small change and I did like minimum testing and I was like, that's working well. And they were calling me at 3 a.m. I was like, Fred, there is an issue. Um, because i didn't test well they were not able to do their job so that was not a good time in my life because i, I like nobody likes to be waking up at that time especially when there is the mistakes so you're kind of like not awake and you need to check the code and understand what's happening while they're waiting for you so uh you know it's the thing i learned to to do better testing to deploy less and in that time it was like deploying less frequently like starting to really think a little more about the ar- architecture uh, instead of like just going and coding right away, you know, really thinking through like what's going to be the architecture, how I'm going to code this. And after you know about what you're going to do, you code and you test really like kind of like bulletproof tests to be sure that's going to work. And after that, like you deploy it to production. But what's what's funny now, I'm talking about those things. I'm, real, I'm realizing that those can still be issues in, in 2022. Uh, but I would say like, tech wise, we advance so much on so many levels that those things still happen, but way less frequently because now testing is part of, not everybody, but I would say mostly everybody when you code, now you have some some you do unit tests, you do like different types of testing. So it's kind of like part of your, your application lifecycle process, but also you have automation right now uh, that makes your life easier. So those mistakes can be avoided more easily. But, yeah, it, it, like, I'm not ashamed of, like, all the mistakes I've done because this is how you learn. And, you know, I was I was I was junior. I was starting. But it's a great learning process. You need to make mistakes to to learn things. Yeah.
0: And uh, you worked as a freelancer in
1: like, yeah, so like 2010. Yeah. So when the company uh, unfortunately didn't work, uh, the company I was working with, uh, I was like, okay, I like maybe it's time for me to try to be a freelancer because you know, um, I have ADHD. So sometimes it's hard for me to concentrate from eight to five and be really productive. So I was like, if I'm my own boss, like maybe that's gonna be easier. So what I was doing at that time, I was like, hey, you have web application or mobile application, I can help you doing that. And I started to have like one, two, three customers and I think things were going great. uh, But Microsoft reached out to me or uh, a possible role as a developer advocate in that time that was a technical evangelist was the title. And I was like, oh, that's kind of my dream job. But I'm not sure if I want to work at Microsoft because now Microsoft is playing better with other people. But like 10 years ago, Microsoft was not super friendly and people didn't really like Microsoft and the developer ecosystem. It was a mix, like people that really love Microsoft and people that really hate Microsoft. Uh, But they sold the job really well to me. And uh, that was a really great opportunity to kind of like move uh, in a new type of job. And, you know, I talked at 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 some friend and mentor at the time and they were like, you know, Fred, like even if your freelance, fr- uh, freelance business is going well, uh, working for a big company like that, that will give you a chance to learn a new role that you have no experience on the prof- professional side. It's It's not a once in a lifetime, but it may be once in a lifetime. So you can try it, you can see where it goes and if it doesn't work, you don't like it, or you want to go back as a freelancer, you still, you're still young. You still can go back and, and, and build your business again, or just like go from where you left off and just continue what you started and just trying to get new customers. So I was like, okay, like it's going well as a freelancer, but now I have an opportunity that I may not want to miss uh so i jumped in the wagon uh, in the wagon and and basically yeah uh, i didn't stay for too long as a freelancer i think it was like six months to one year uh and and that new opportunity happened so i kind of like jump uh two feet two feet in uh.
0: and uh then you become a technical uh, evangelist at microsoft canada and you worked there for two years seven months so what you did
1: Yeah. So uh, that was my my initiation to developer relations. So in that time, the title was mostly uh, technical evangelist or developer evangelist, uh, which is, depending on the company, is basically the same as developer advocate. So what was great is that Microsoft gave me a chance uh, because I was already starting to organize user group. I was starting to speak at conferences and write blog posts. So I was already doing a little bit of part of Uh, what a developer advocate does but i had no professional experience and they were looking for someone bilingual and i was only speaking french but they gave me the chance so that was pretty good and the second thing is that uh, i was not a microsoft person i did a little bit of c sharp in the previous company before i went freelance freelance, but um, i was not a microsoft person and for me microsoft people were like you know a brown shirt and tie and, and, and you know corporate people and were like not friendly with open source. So as I said I was like nah eh, do I really want to work there? I'm not gonna change. like I'm the guy with black t-shirt and jeans and and, and like converse, yellow converse like this is kind of like my my branding and, and and like I don't want to be a Microsoft person but actually they were looking for someone like me. They were looking for someone who is not a Microsoft person. They were looking for someone who was already involved with the open source community or at least had the passion of open source. So that really gave me the opportunity to kind of like try to change the mind and the heart of people internally at Microsoft at the small scale because Microsoft is so huge. But I I really think that I had an impact. at Microsoft Canada. So I did not answer to your questions. To answer your question, uh, you know, part of my job is to speak. As you probably saw right now, I like to talk. Uh, I like to to share things with people. And uh, this is a little bit of job of technical evangelist. So, or a developer advocate, or people working in developer relation. The job is to help developer being successful. And how do you help developer being successful? You do this with, with code, with the community, and uh, with content so there is a part where you educate people so part of my job was to write blog posts uh either technical or more high level like blog posts that were interest for a developer uh it was about writing tutorials uh in some company uh, you help or you own the documentation at microsoft they had an entire team working the documentation so it was not part of my role but Educating also was like doing webinar online, was speaking at conferences, uh, speaking at Meetup user groups, doing panel. Uh, So there's a lot of like informing, educating developer, but what is great is that it's not always about the technology, the Microsoft technology, especially in my case, since my focus was open source, uh, interoperability, open data. So I was talking with a lot of things that would work on Microsoft technology. Like at that time, uh, it was called Windows Azure, Microsoft Azure, the cloud service of Microsoft. So I was talking about using WordPress on Azure. And when we launched Windows 8, I was talking about building Windows application with HTML5, because that was the cool thing. That was the cool new version at that time. That was like where we had like plenty of interesting features. So part of the job is really educating people. But the second part is also to, advocate for developers. So that means uh, connecting with developer first. So you create relationship with developer on social media. So I'm usually pretty active on Twitter. Twitter is still my platform after all these years, but I share things on LinkedIn too. Um, I'm present in person. So if there is like a networking events, like part of my job actually is to go network with developer. It's a good thing that I love people and I love doing that. But yeah, part of my job is really to network and connect with people. But with those connections, uh, again, I'm here to help developer, but I'm here to listen to developers. So this is what I was doing, and this is actually what I'm doing for the last 10 years. My role did not really change, except the manager or the kind of like director, kind of like vision, developing the framework of how we do developer relation. Everything else is, is really about the developer, about creating that connection. So when I listen to developer, part of my job is to bring that feedback to the product team Uh, because it may be something new or or it may help us uh, influence or change the roadmap depending on what we hear from developer. And at the same time, maybe not on Microsoft, it became my job in a smaller company, but I really need to kind of like advocate slash defend developer internally. And don't get me wrong, uh, there is a lot of like really good marketing teams or sales team out there Uh, like where i work at mindy they're really doing a great job they really understand developers but in some other company the sales team is going to be really uh pushy uh, try to sell all the time uh they're going to want to to really uh sell features that does not exist yet kind of like putting pressure on the product team so my part of my job was also it's more the manager side but it's still kind of developer advocate role to be sure that we don't screw up the relationship with developer. And, and if I think about marketing, uh, there's a lot of great marketing teams out there, but there's teams that are doing more traditional marketing, if I could say, and, and they would like to email everyone and every developers. And I'm like, yeah, no, like, we don't like that. Like nobody, I don't think nobody likes cold email or being subscribed to newsletter uh, that uh, that they did not subscribe to. But developer were even more empty, like like, newsletter. We don't like to be sold things. Uh, we like to try. We like to go to your own rhythm. So part of my job, again, I'm, I'm, I'm deviating for the question. It was not a Microsoft. It happened a little bit later, but it's all, I think it's also part of like a developer advocate role. So what was great at Microsoft is that my territory was all Canada, and I had the chance to connect with developer outside of my own city, outside of Montreal. I had the chance to work with Open source influencers, people that were building cr- really cool project. and I also connect a little more with the Microsoft specific community, even if it's not my main focus, I was involved with different Microsoft community, which was't which was a new community for me. But at the end of the day they were developers. So that was a really good experience. I learned a lot about how to do that job on a professional level. and uh, yeah, that that was that was a really great experience.
0: And uh, you worked as senior technical evangelist at uh, Mozilla Corporation for one year six months in uh, yeah. 2013.
1: Yeah. So what what you probably seen right now, if you if you're listening listening since the beginning, is that I changed job a little bit too often for my own good. Uh, Mozilla was was awesome. That was a really great experience because uh, you know I was I'm I'm pragmatic when it comes to technology, but I'm more on the open source uh, type side of things. And uh, being at Mozilla, uh, that was working for the open web, that was developing open source software. Uh, even if, if Firefox was losing share a little bit, what was interesting is that they hired me and actually two, two, yeah, two other developer advocates at the same time because they were uh, creating that that OS called Firefox OS. Uh, that you may have heard, um, because you're in India, uh, that was a little more popular in India. That was a little more popular uh, in, in some places in Europe. That was not really an uh, OS for, for, I would say, North America. That was mostly for a little more developed country to offer really uh, two things, like a, a really affordable device. So the device were really cheap and uh, offer an alternative to Android uh in a sense that like yeah that that's a different os that is not uh even if it's open source it was not controlled by google uh and you were able to create application using html css and javascript which was uh, really awesome for web developer that don't really want to learn Java to build like Android application or don't want to learn at that time that was Objective-C uh, to create iOS application and we started to see framework that give you the opportunity to build on different platform at the same time, but uh, it was still kind of new, so Firefox was, was really nice unfortunately, the uh, the project didn't work that much because it was really complicated. Like when you have that OS, you need to be sure that you work with uh, telecom companies. So your phone is is uh, like is sold in different different like um, stores, those telecommunication companies, and you want to be sure that they are supporting your phone if there is anything. So that was a new territory for Mozilla. Um, they were not used also to do that kind of business, but also uh, a lot of things needed to be done in closed door. And Mozilla was really like an open first company. Like like every meetings note that we had, it were available on the web. Even if it was like just a team meeting with employees, uh, everything was open. Has like as the main way of thinking. So having to do close contract and things like that, I think it went a little bit. Uh, on On the wrong side of like what Mozilla is trying to achieve, what was trying to achieve. But that was a great experience because also, uh, I work with uh, really great people that have a lot of experience, like uh, he's, he's gonna laugh because i'm I'm praising him right now, but Christian Elman, uh was on my team, and I learned because he was doing that job for a long time. Uh, I also made friends there. And the Mozilla community was awesome. like not that the Microsoft community was not, but the Mozilla community, were even stronger in the sense that they were not working for a for-profit company. They were they were doing things to advance the web. They were doing things to make the webs available for more people. So the people in the community were next level passionate from other communities I've seen at their company. And they were just nice people because they were doing this for fun. They were doing this because it was the right thing to do. So that was a really good two years and a half uh unfortunately uh for different reasons it didn't end well so all the team resigned within a month uh for different reasons but um yeah and and mozilla is still still going in some direction uh i think it's it's not it's not a company or an organization as popular as you used to but i think that there's still probably opportunity for them to to help the web go in the right direction and and, and prevent the web to become a prior proprietary proprietary. I don't know why I struggle with that word, but to have the web that is not that open. No.
0: I got you. And uh, you worked again as a freelancer in 2015.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it was my like after Mozilla was my fifth job, maybe if I count the freelancing time. And I was like, okay, I love being a developer advocate, but like i'm tired of like changing job or having to change job like i just want a place where i'm going to be able to do what i love and stay for a long time so basically uh and and another thing also is that when you when you're a developer advocate there is some developer advocate role where you code a lot like like you're basically a social developer like you do a lot of coding but and you have some aspect of like developer relation. But I would say most developer advocate role, you still need to code because you need to learn the technology, you need to write tutorials, you need to create videos, but you don't code full time. So also after like three to four, maybe five years, maybe four years of doing a developer advocate role, I was like, am I losing my technical side a little bit? Uh, So that was a mix between, yeah, I I want more stability, and I want to go back at coding, see if I'm losing it a little bit, and, and we'll see how it goes. So it went well uh, and not well in the sense that, like, I decided to do something different. I was like, okay, I'm still going to go coding, but I, will, I was used to a good paycheck as a developer advocate. So I was like, how can I kind of, like, replicate that? So I decided to do, uh, how did I call that, like, project rescue. So basically, you're in a company. Uh, and your project is not going well for different reasons. Like my offering was that I'm going to come in, uh, virtually on, on site, depending where you're based. And I'm gonna like, understand, like, like analyze what's happening and give you recommendation. But most of the time, my job was mostly to come in and try to fix things. So I made a lot of money. I didn't work a lot, which was good for me. I had a lot of free time and I was living well, but. Uh, I'm a social person and when I was coming on a team, except the bus that hired me to fix things, I was not making friends because I was there to basically point like, hey, this is not good, this is not- oh, that was not done well, oh, I can redo this better. Uh, obviously, I was not seeing it like this, but I was seeing like, like hey, that external person was coming to judge us and to point fingers at, at what's wrong. Uh, which was probably the thing to do for the business to to be successful and move to the next step. But personally, that was hard for me because I I think I'm a friendly person. I'm a social person. I like making friends where I go to customers, places and different different events and whatever. And, And during that time, I was not making a lot of friends because of the nature of my role. And I realized that I was, as much as I love coding full time, I was missing the the more social aspect of developer relation, so I did that for about two years, and I think two years, yeah. And after two years, I was like, okay, I, I need to go back in a developer advocate role. So first, I'm happy I didn't lose my technical uh, chops. I'm I'm still a good developer. Like I've never been the best developer, but I'm I was a good developer, and I was like, okay, I, I didn't lose it. Uh, and I'm missing the social thing. So, after two years, I was like, "Okay, I wanted the long road, the long time having my business, but now I need to go back in developer relation type of role. So yeah.
0: And uh, you and you you worked as a senior developer uh, evangelist at uh, Fitbit full-time for eleven months in two thousand and seventeen.
1: Yeah, also a short-term thing. Uh, that was that was awesome uh, at Fitbit in uh, at a certain level. First, uh, I work with with uh, is gonna like it if you watch the show. But I work with with uh, now a good friend of mine, John Barlow, uh, was he is just the, the nicest person in the world. Uh, so nice that it's annoying sometimes. But I just love it. And and because we look alike a little bit, like people were they were like, oh, that's the Fitbit twins. And they were in that culture that was real nice within. The small team we have, uh, manager was really great too. So they hired me because they needed someone with a little more experience to do developer relation, uh, because Fitbit work was going in a new direction that they never built before. They were building a SDK for uh their smart watches. So they had smart watches, uh or they were they were releasing smartwatches and they were like, Hey, if you want to be successful, it's not just about having Fitbit creating application, we need to give a, a, an ecosystem for developers so they can create their own uh, watch application, their own smartwatch application. So they were creating a SDK that gave you the opportunity to create applications uh, application for the smartwatch using HTML, uh, JavaScript and SVG, not CSS. Um, I still don't remember why the reason was like SVG instead of CSS, but anyway, uh, you were also able to create a watch face, You know, when you look at your watch, like what you see, design you see. And uh, that was pretty cool because also Fitbit just acquired, uh, damn, I totally forget the name of the other smart watch company that was like a, a crowd source thing that was super popular, but like we kind of irritated of that community that were super passionate about Pebble. So we acquired Pebble. So we kind of like irritated of that community that were super passionate about building for smart watches that were a little bit sad because Fitbit took a different direction than Pebble, but there were still, most of them they were still in and just happy to be able to create or port the Pebble application or watch face to the Fitbit ecosystem. So we were not starting from scratch, but yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, the the only thing, and, and what's great is also is starting from Mozilla uh, in the developer relation role, I, my territory became the world. So as a great perk, uh, I was able to travel all around the world. And that was the same thing with Fitbit. So that, those were great opportunities for me as a person, but also on the professional side, because that gave me the opportunity to have a better personal branding that gave me the opportunity to make connection, create relation with developers and make friends all over the world. So those were really good opportunities, but uh, I got a really interesting opportunities right after that. I could not say no, Uh, unfortunately it's not on my resume. You won't see it because it did not happen. So I signed up the contract. Uh, That was to start a team as a really big company and the opportunity was really, really amazing, but I I needed to move to the U.S. and I was not able to get the visa. So um, they just like said, okay, you don't get the visa, you don't have the visa, you don't get the job. And they let me in my trouble of like, I was ready to move to a new country in any way. So I took some time off and after I was like, okay, uh, what's next, what I'm going to do next. And uh, I was like, I still love developer relations, so uh, I applied for uh, the role at uh, I think it was npm after.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, you worked again as a senior developer advocate at npm.
1: Npm, like, like if you follow me on Twitter, if you if you were following me on Twitter, you were following me on Twitter in that time. Uh, you've seen that in it didn't go well at all. Uh, first, I was super excited to work at NPM because uh, it's NPM. I mean, like every JavaScript developer used NPM. Even if you use Yarn uh, as your, your package manager, Yarn is using the NPM server behind you. Just like, like everything works with NPM. But I was like, NPM is so huge. I can have such a huge impact to foster that community that they already have but uh, that was like my manager, She was awesome. Uh, my team were awesome. That was a really diverse company, which I really loved. we were based in Oakland. Uh, that was a really great opportunity. And I was starting to kind of like uh, go for the low-ending fruits or the small tasks that we really need to do at the beginning. But at the same time, I was starting to define what would that mean to do developer relation at npm? Like, what do we need to do? Like, we don't really have to build a community because there is already a huge community of developer, but maybe we need to to bring the developer in one place so there is a real sense of community. And like, that was that was really really interesting. But uh, they had some 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 like uh, I, I I won't I won't give too much detail anyway. I published a lot of things on Twitter about that at that time to. To let people know that like the company was probably a little bit toxic actually a, a lot toxic in the higher up management which was uh worrying me a lot like first they fired me f- and uh for a reason that went in legal board in the us they called the nlrb or mlbr which is the national legal bureau or something like that uh so they did it wrong but even more than my own job, which is is not fun losing a job because you lose your paycheck, you lose the money. And, and I was so excited to work for NPM. I was worried about the NPM future because like, like so many developer need NPM to work and so many products are based on the fact that you can easily upgrade the dependencies and things like that. So it's why I was really vocal about the really bad experience I had. And I know some people were not happy, but I, w- I was quite happy when I saw uh, Microsoft actually get up uh, which is owned by Microsoft, but like GitHub acquiring acquiring npm because I think they did a little bit of cleanup in their higher hub uh, management and uh, now I think I think everything is, is like is in a better place and there's more solidity in the company and there is a better future like the future is not endangered by people that that are just like toxic. So that was not a good experience uh, in the end, but like the three months or four months I was there. I just met so many nice people and, and so many intelligent people. Like I remember uh, one of the two persons that were working on the CLIMs itself. I was like, they are so intelligent. Like, I, like, I'm an okay developer, but I wouldn't be able to do what they're doing because what they're doing is, is used by millions of people and it needs to be solid because the other thing with developers is that we're really critiqued and we're really fast. Of, of sharing the negative things or the negative experience, so uh, that was nice to work with, with such a diverse group compared to their company, where it's always like just white men like me, and uh, also like having that that intelligent and that brilliant people to work with. So I did not regret that. Also, even sorry. Also, if I I, I was there only for three months, uh, having npm on your resume, it's it's still pretty cool. So uh, yeah.
0: And uh, how was your experience as a senior developer advocate at DigitalOcean?
1: That was pretty good, too. Uh, I didn't stay for too long because my focus was not uh, was not totally exciting to me. Um, so I was basically focusing on startup, uh, which I like. But the way the startup program was working was not really a good fit for me. Uh, but my developer relations team was really great. The people I worked with, Also brilliant, really passionate people. It's just like how things were structured, didn't totally fit for me. Was totally not totally fit for me, but I really had a great time. I had the opportunity to mentor more uh, junior people that are doing very well right now. Uh, Had the opportunity again to travel around the world, uh, meet a lot of founder and startup, which is always something exciting for me because uh, like usually founders, they're a little bit younger, and and it's great for me becoming a little bit older to connect with a little bit of younger people but also i really like even if sometimes the the startup ecosystem can be a little bit toxic at the same time seeing all those people that have a dream that have an idea and that give everything to make that idea successful to raise money to be the next facebook or whatever what's your, your dream company it's quite it's quite interesting for me like for me it's kind of like fuel me to see all those people passionate about uh passionate about what they do and what they're building and it's great for me to learn like to listen to all those ideas and part of my job was to to brainstorm with them different things to help them with their architecture uh, of their application and obviously because i was working at DigitalOcean, which is a cloud offering uh the idea was to help them being successful on Digital DigitalOcean. Uh, but what was great also is that, yes, we are cloud offering. In theory, we compete against the three big giants like, like Google Cloud, AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure. But in practice, we don't because we were way smaller. Uh, we didn't have all the product that they have. But what we were doing, we're doing it very well. And we were making it affordable. And this is why a lot of like startup and people were using us. So that was kind of like a sweet spot where I don't have to really compete with the giants because it's impossible for us to really compete with them. But at the same time, I can still steal some customer to them because our offering was different and maybe more suitable for other people. So yeah, I made I made a lot of good friends there. Uh, what was nice for me too is that the office was in New York, so that was a little less longer for me to go to the office because it's close to Montreal. It's like a one hour, two hour flight versus going to San Francisco is like a five to six hour flight uh so that was nice and uh yeah i had a great time but I, I, at the same time was like okay maybe the fit is not totally for me um so yeah yeah again changed his job uh went to where i am right now i took some time off and i went to uh mindy after where i am for the six month and now now i'm really looking for the long haul like my goal and i told them in the interview like you've seen my resume. It was never my goal to stay only one year in the place, but there's a lot of opportunity right there. I'm a big fan of, like, you need to be happy when you go to work on the Monday. Obviously, it doesn't mean that you don't want to have a three or four days weekend. Like, like you would like more holidays, more time off. But, like, if you go like really like sad or too stressed on the Monday to go to work you may not be in the right job and I have privilege enough that I have the chance to like if it doesn't work to change to a new job or go to a new job so uh yeah I was in the interview process with Mindy and I was like you know what like I want to stay at a minimum five years but for me to stay at a minimum five years I would like to be in a place where you understand a little bit of developer relations so i don't have to spend too much time educating internally or fighting to have resources which is great on Mindy because like the founder there are four founders and they understand at least the high level of developer relationship uh, developer relation they understand why it's important so it's not just like oh we should have this because it's a cool new thing it's like no we have a developer product that is targeted for developer that is made for developer by developers so we need someone to end endo- though and relationship with developer and the second thing is that for me to be happy i need to be able to create and building so now i join has the director of developer relation basically directing nothing but the idea was like hey i'm going to build a team so now i hire a technical uh, a technical writer i'm going to hire some uh like probably two or three developer advocate two developer advocate maybe one developer on my team so i'm going to start to grow i'm starting to grow the team i'm starting to uh create also the foundation defining again what is developer relation on mindy because everything i told you when we're talking about microsoft that is kind of like the usual suspect of what a developer advocate do or what developer relation does but like, okay, we need to adapt this to our audience. We need to adapt this to maybe the geography we're targeting. We need to adapt this to the resources. And we need to define this based on, in my case, my experience and, and my, my if I can say, I don't like that word, but expertise in developer relations because I've been doing this for 10 years. So it's really like trying to put my vision of what is developer relations and how we can help Mindy being successful while being respectful about, uh, what is developer relation and, and what a good developer relation team should do. So now I'm kind of like training that I'm kind of like building that. Uh, there is a lot of things to do, uh, because you know, the company, the company is three years old, I think uh, about three years old, uh, and we have a solid product, but on the side of like the developer relation, there is a lot of things to do. Like I'm starting to create the community. Uh, so now we have a Slack community, so I'm starting to slowly gather people there and have a sense of uh, uh, belonging to uh being part of that community uh like we are starting to have a content program where everybody at the business will start to write content so we have great content that educate developers not just about the mindy product but like everything that makes sense for them so there is a lot of things on the plate uh my days are not boring my days are full but we have a good work-life balance and the culture is super important too for me but also for the business so uh it's a we'll see how it goes in six months but i would say so far so good like i think it's going well uh what is great with Mindy too is that we raised the savings a not too long ago uh 14 millions and um uh, i firmly believe that we, we won't fail. So maybe we won't be the next Facebook. I always say Facebook, even if I don't really like Facebook as a company, but like maybe we, we won't be that successful, but I know we're going to be successful. So it's a great feeling also to be in a place where you have things to build, people understand what you do. You work with great people. Some became friends. Like most of them became friends. There There's a great culture, but also I work with talented people and a benefit for me is that now we're starting to hire a little more uh, older slash senior people, but uh, the company is is really young and it's great for a whole fart like me to work with young people. Uh, I'm not that whole, but I'm I'm starting to be old in tech because I work with a lot of like 20 something years old and like I'm 40, actually turning 40 next week or week and a half, whatever. So I'm starting to be like hold in tech because I've been there for like 20 years. So it's great to have younger minds that are super brilliant, that challenge me on concept that like may have changed or or, or doesn't mean that I think something works like this, that is the only truth. So it's really a great place for me to kind of like continue to being challenged while creating and building things.
0: So development, software development is completely different from uh, uh, being a director for developer relations. So uh, what is the difference that you observed?
1: Between software
0: developer and And, uh, uh, being a director of. uh, uh, the,
1: The big difference is that I don't code full time anymore. You know, when I was a software developer. Uh, I I was coding full-time like that was my job creating software. Now I don't really create software like I can work on small projects. Uh, Again, I need to code to either prepare uh, example for my talks, or I need to code to write tutorials or documentation, or uh, I need to like part of my job may, may be to create a demo application that user API. So again, I still need to code or I need to code uh, because I'm really I'm a manual person. I need like if I want to learn a new technology, I need to code something. So in all those part of my job, I need I need to be with the code. I need to 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 create things with the code. But it's a small part of my job right now. And it may be different from other developer advocate uh, in different companies. Like I know other developer advocates who code like 80% of their time. And the last 10 to 20 person is speaking at conferences, but on the code that they created. So as I said, they're kind of like developer with a with a portion of developer advocate, even if they have the developer advocate role. But most developer advocate, they don't really code full time. So there's that part. And between being a developer advocate and, and like a director developer advocate, which is a fancy title, is... is Part of my job now is it's not just doing individual contributor stuff like everything I told you that I was like that a developer advocate should do. Now there is like the the big picture thinking. There is the managing people. Uh, there is the hiring process. There is uh, being accountable also like aligning your team goal, defining your team goal, but aligning your team goal with the, the goals of the company. And I think like where why we choose the director title is that. I'm not just the manager. I'm not just like a team lead. I lead the department. If it is the department, it's only two people. But like having that title mean that I'm also part of other business decision or discussion that may not just impact my team and their role. So because... I have like 20 years of experience, which doesn't make me better than other people. It's just make me 20 years more experienced than someone who started. So I've seen really good thing. I've seen bad things. I've done good things. I've done bad things. So the idea and my team know it right now. I have an opinion about everything and as as you saw i talk a lot it's the same thing on slack i write a lot on slack Uh, so i give my opinions on a lot of things sometimes things that are not even related to to my job day to day but it's just like hey maybe we should do it like that or did we talk about this or should we create that and the culture that we were about to do out might be about that and this is what i i would think that it should be that kind of culture with with any other type of like director role is that there is a culture of respect and there's a culture where like, Hey, I share my opinion, but it's my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right. Uh, it's always open for a discussion. And if you don't agree, you don't agree. It's fine. So there is that kind of respect where it's fine, share your opinion, be part of some discussion and, uh, we may take it in consideration or no, but it's always done in my case, it's always done with the goal that like, Hey, I've seen or experienced that. And, oh, maybe we're like, maybe we can save some mistakes or maybe we can do something a little bit better for X, Y, Z reason. And my goal is always to like, I want to help the company grow and goes in the right direction. I want to uh, help the other team or the other people in the team to like be more successful or, or go in a better direction with some decision. But again, doesn't mean that I'm right all the time, but that's kind of like that, that my vision of like being in the the defense like director title uh so obviously since we're small and i have a small team i do a lot of like day-to-day stuff as a developer advocate but the more the team's gonna grow i think the less i'm gonna do IC stuff and the more i'm gonna be more on the manager side more like thinking big pictures and basically my job will continue to help uh, people being successful but now that's gonna be my team like i'm gonna help my team be successful i'm gonna remove Roadblock for my team. I'm going to empower my team to be able to do their job, uh, which I think is, is is really important. Like you need to have a manager that supports you and that helps you to be successful.
0: So, uh, what is software uh, to the world? In this 20 years of experience, uh, you created software. So, what software is doing to the world?
1: The the software that I created. Uh, in general. Oh, in general, oh what's what's happening in the, sorry, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, maybe twenty years ago, and even twenty years ago, I would say software were everywhere, but even more today. Uh, like like what's interesting with software is that even if you're not a technical person, you use software in in, in different fashion. like like there is there is software in your car. Uh, like there is software in your brewing machine or coffee machine, like software is everywhere. So technology is is, is, is really rare. So it's really important uh, for people to, I think it's important for people to just understand that. Uh, but it's also why developers are such in a good place right now, because we need developers for everything and anything. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question, but for me, it's like it's an important piece of, of who we are right now, uh, not always in a positive way. There is some technology that 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 lower tension to things, or, or there are technology that make us, um, what's the word, like dependent on the technology, or technology that that put us in in, in a vulnerable position, or co security issues. Uh, thinking about some IoT device, which I'm not against. I have plenty of IoT device, but it means that. If a hacker wants he can open the door at my home because my luck is connected to the internet uh, so there is pro and cons i think i think we depend a lot on technology but people need to understand the implication of that the possible limit of that the possible uh, security issue of that but also the benefits of of having softwares in in, in basically every parts of our life so what Minday is doing so my day we're, um, offering an API, uh, for data extraction. So think about a super intelligent OCR, uh, and you use, we have two type of, of, of API. So we have what we call the off the shelf API where. Uh, We have invoice, we have receipt, we have a passport API. Uh, We have some other API that are specific to Europe because we have a lot of customer base there. And also because we're a French-based company, like the ad office is in Paris. Uh, We are opening a U.S. office in in the coming days or weeks uh, soon, but it's a French-based company. So what's happening is that you, like, as a developer, uh, you will often be in situation when you receive document information and you need to extract that information, but you may not need all the information in the document. You need to find specific things. So with the, what we call the -the off-the-shelf API, I send an invoice, no matter the, the type or the template of the invoice, I send this to an API either using the SDK that we have, either using the API, the REST API directly, or you can even use our web platform to do that if you're not a technical person, but the product is really for developer. And you send your document and you get the exact information you're looking for. But what's really powerful is that those are the easiest case in terms of, not the easiest case, but like, let's say the low-inking fruit in terms of like, company wants to process invoice and receipts and like the usual suspect. But what's really power about our product is that we have something called the API builder, which gives you the opportunity to replicate this with any type of document. Let's say I want to process uh birth certificate and we don't offer off the shelf for birth certificate so instead of having to code all the logics about like how to open the document how to extract the information how to ocr that thing so i get from from like like visual data to real text that i can uh that can do action with that text and after that having to find like okay Uh, how can I extract the right data and not all the data on the document, but the data that I need. So with the API builder, you go online, uh, you create your API. takes like five seconds just saying, like, I'm creating the API. After that, you define your data model. So you say, like, hey, on the birth certificate, uh, there is uh, the name that's going to be a text field, and there is the the birth date that's going to be a date field. And you define your data model. And after that, where the magic happens is that We use machine learning, computer vision, behind it, where once you define your data model, you train your API. So you send, the minimum is like 20 documents. So I'm gonna send 20 birth certificate. I'm gonna train the API to understand where's the information on the birth certificate. And after that, I have full-fledged API where I can just send a document and that's gonna return me a JSON with the data model that I defined plus the information that I find in the document. So the idea is that, you you have to process that you have to, I would say like data is not, data is not data until you can use it. So when you have those documents and you need information out of it, instead of having to create all the process, you use the API, we do it for you. We process, we extract that information for you so you can focus on more interesting things to do. So that's basically what we are offering. Uh, things are going well, seriously uh and and it's really interesting because for me uh machine learning was kind of new computer vision i I never heard of that uh like it's not true like i I know a little bit like high level what it was but I, i never really understood or took the time to understand exactly what it was and now that is at the core of what we do at mindy so yeah we offer those off the shelf that we train in like hundreds of thousands of documents so the the precision is really good but also you have the opportunity to easily create an API that do data extraction with your type of documents so it's really uh it's i found this innovative uh and and i really love the technology behind it so this is also a place where i was telling i was saying that it was working with the younger people but they are extremely brilliant people uh because they are doing things that i would not be able to do so now it's great because i, I learn new things And my product is is really something that is interesting and useful for mostly every developers.
0: So if you send me your links, uh, your web links, I'll put in the description of this video. People who find our video on YouTube can see it uh, and can can understand what you're doing and uh, what your company is doing and can take the service that uh, your company is providing too.
1: That's awesome. And, and, you know, uh, like if you go on Monday and you try it, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or you don't know how something works, uh, like like ping me on Twitter, I'm always on Twitter, or even better, we have that Slack community that I was talking before. Uh, join the Slack community, it's the best place to ask questions and, and, and talk to other people in the community.
0: So as a, as a, as a director of uh, developer relations and as a person who is into technology from last 20 years, so uh, as an observer what do you say about my work? Have you seen any videos
1: of mine on YouTube? Actually I, I checked some of your interviews and I really think it's a it's it's interesting because uh, one of the things that people need to know about tech is that uh, like 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 people that start in tech they need to hear about like people that are in tech for a longer time sharing their experience sharing the mistake they they did sharing the issue they had sharing their learning path to see that like yeah like when i when I, I i do something or i code something it may looks better than someone who has like less experience or it may be better but it's because i made so many mistakes before but what you see the problem also today and i I'm, i use social media a lot but there's also the problem that like even in dev like you share all the good things that you've done or like hey look at my code how oh, it's nice and look oh i just got a promotion this and that and people usually don't share the mistake or the issue they have so having that that those interviews with people to talk about their experience to talk a little bit about their product i think i think it's important that 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 we have those discussions to show people that yeah, there is a path. There is like, you're going to make mistakes and it's normal. And, and working in tech is not easy, even if it's the problem is that most of us, we're passionate about tech. So yes, it's a job, but it's also a passion. So sometimes the line is blurry, but still it's not easy because technology changed so fast because there is so many technology out there because it's a, even if there's a lot of jobs out there, it's still a competitive industry, uh, things change so fast, so. Uh, it's it's not it's not always an easy job. So having those those YouTube video, I think I think you're helping people to to really like see and understand the business and and see that they can make it and see that they're not alone making those mistakes or going through those process. So yeah, thanks thanks for doing that. I think it's great.
0: How uh, I did masters in software engineering and I did uh, bachelor's in computer science and engineering. So if I if I work in a tech company in coming days, uh, how this experience talking with already uh, uh, experienced people like you who are already uh, uh, learned a lot, uh, uh, doing so many projects, uh, uh, interacting with so many people, understanding the reality and the industry. So me uh, absorbing uh, all this information, putting in my mind and. Uh, uh uh, how this is how this is going to be helpful for me if i
1: work in it but two things first uh like even video aside the fact that you connected with all those people uh like that creates yourself a network uh, and a network is important. Uh, it doesn't give it, it doesn't get you a job if you're not good at what you're doing. But it helps you to be in contact with the right person to maybe connect directly with the hiring manager or uh, put your resume on the top of the pile because like you know someone working at a company. So first, just a network without even the information is like that's a good thing to do uh developer or, or usually and it's it's a stereotype but it's still true like developer we're usually a little more shy a little more introvert so so sometimes we don't network as much or we don't connect as much with people but i really think it's important the second thing is that it really helps your personal branding again outside of the information all like you're that person doing the podcast you're that person doing the interview uh you're being out there so your name circulates on youtube and 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 your podcast is going to get always more popular because you do more you get more visibility you get new people that are going to share your podcasts, uh like under social media like as an example and it's not personal but i did not know you before you contacted me because there's it's not personal there's so many video out there uh and now i know you i'm like oh yeah i'm going to check video once in a while and when you're going to publish this one i'm going to publish it in my social media and probably mindy which is i'm owning i'm I'm managing the account on Mindy, but we're probably going to publish it also because it's one of our own being on those video it's me so that's going to get you more visibility your name's going to get out there so that may be easier to uh to yeah people people may even know you when you contact them or you talk to them but also that show that you are able to even if, if if it's not a technical or a coding project that show that you can take initiative that show that you can bring a project from a to z but Strictly, if, if I go back to your question, it's about the information. It's, it's. I think that's gonna help you in two two ways. First, uh, that's gonna help you to basically understand, as I, as I was saying before, that like, we all did a lot of mistakes. We all had like, sometimes shitty job. Uh, we all create issues at a company that were not good things to do, but we all learn. So nobody's perfect. I'm not even the best, perfect person or developer even after 20 years i still do mistake it's not because i have 20 here; i don't do mistake uh so that knowing that i think that can help to the self-confidence that can help to to have to maybe not have or have a, a smaller um imposter syndrome that many of us have in tech so there is kind of like that knowing those things but really knowing them not just you just not to read them somewhere. Like you talk with the people that has the experience. I think it's great, and maybe that's gonna prevent you to do some stupid mistakes that we've done. Because you heard someone share an experience, it's like, oh yeah, maybe uh, yeah. Fred said that like he didn't have backup, and and seriously, many people in tech don't have backup because we are like just oh, we're no, we know computer. It's good. Like backup is for my dad and my mother, and and no, like oh, I heard Fred like losing part of like one month of his job. Like yeah, maybe I'm gonna be sure that I backup frequently, and th- this is really a simple example, but you may have like more profound discussion with other people and and you may remember at some point uh, like, oh, that will prevent you to do some mistake or that will help you to do things better, or uh, even if it's not happening before, maybe you made a mistake or something, that's gonna help you again to to have maybe a better feeling after like, oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, I remember like Fred said that uh, his friend, that was not me, but like his his colleague wipe out half of the server. So, yeah, okay, I could have done worse. I could have done like this guy. So maybe that can help your spirit also. So there is a lot of things there. Uh, The the only uh, advice that I would tell you is that don't try to... To, to remember everything and anything. Don't try to, to learn everything or anything, uh, everything, sorry, because there's so much to learn out there. Uh, that it's impossible to learn everything. It's impossible to know everything. So try to focus on what makes sense for you, what you're passionate about, uh, what makes sense also for the industry, because like if you're passionate about a programming language, a whole programming language that nobody uses anymore, it's good for your passion, but it's not good for like finding a job. So try to find the right mix in between, and and grabs what makes sense from people, but also challenge what those people have done. Like as I said before, it's not because I've been in the tech industry for twenty years that everything I told you today is is like the only truth. And that oh, Fred said that he has experience, so that must be true. No, challenge things that we say uh, because we may not be right because it may based on your experience but it doesn't make sense for your experience or where you're going so yeah absorb those things and and let go what you think doesn't make sense doesn't make sense uh challenge things that like you're not sure and and yeah i think that's going to help you to set you in the in a path uh where you're going to be more successful maybe more uh quickly depending on on your definition of being successful
0: so uh, I'll put your yeah, uh, valuable words in my mind and uh, I hope uh, your words will uh, help me in uh, doing uh, the quality and the productive
1: and the constructive work. Hopefully, hopefully. I hope that that was helpful. Uh... Yeah, I talked a lot, so grab the things that make sense for you. And uh, when I'm not babbling, babbling about things, but yeah, hopefully it was helpful, and uh, hopefully it's gonna be helpful for uh, for your viewers too. And feel free, like if you're watching the videos and you have a question about what I said, or, or you just have a question about tech and you're starting, you're looking for a job, whatever. Uh, I don't always have a lot of time because life, but feel free to ping me on Twitter. Uh, and, and if I can, I'm going to try to help you in, in, in a possible way. Like I was lucky in my career that so many people helped me reach the next level that I'm in the part of my life where like, I want to give back. And this is what I do by doing those interviews, by helping people in different ways. So if I can, if I have the bandwidth or I have the knowledge, uh, that would be more than happy to do so
0: so you already did uh, even if one person from anywhere on this planet listens to our conversation and listens to your experience and listens to a particular thing that you did or that you said if that helped in uh, improving their skills or their uh, way of thinking yeah. uh, towards uh, uh, towards the growth you will be the reason and i will be the reason for for the contribution for this technical uh, thing on this planet
1: Exactly. Actually, you'll be the main reason, because you're the one approaching us to do the interview, the one making those interviews, the one publishing them. So good jobs to you. You're helping people.
0: Can I Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Of
1: course, of course you can. Yeah.
0: And also, can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast website, internet, social put, media everywhere
1: can. Put, your- put there everywhere you want uh, i'm I'm a big fan of like sharing knowledge or experience. Uh, this is what I do like like um um my job is public. I release video, I speak at conference so uh, again, as you said like if if we release that video and people listen to it and and get one thing out of it, I'm happy so. If people can find that interview useful, why not publishing it? I'm, I'm, uh, like, please do.: So uh, thank you, thank you, Fred,
0: uh, for giving me your valuable time and uh, spending your valuable experience with my
1: audience. My, my pleasure. Thanks again for inviting me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.